0: Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the National Community Radio Network. Today's program was produced on the Williakali country of the Barkindji Nation with an interview from Larakea country and were broadcast across stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'm Megan Williams.
1: Origin were the largest and most legitimate company that had interest in the Beedaloo Basin. This is a really significant, really hardening development. And honestly, I think it's the beginning of the end of fracking in the Northern Territory.
0: Fossil fuel giant Origin announced it's divesting 100% of natural gas exploration licences in the Beedaloo Basin. Today on Earth Matters, we speak with Naish Gorn, who works on the gas and mining campaigns at the Environment Centre of the Northern Territory about the campaign that led to the gas giant pulling the pin and what this means for fracking in the Territory. Later in the show, we take a trip down the history of land rights in New South Wales at the Muriwiji National Park that's co-managed by traditional owners. I speak with Malinyapa Barkindji Wimpja Leroy Johnson. But first, to the Territory. This is Nash from the Environment Centre, NT.
1: So the Beedaloo Basin, in fact, it's a term that's been used and promoted by the gas industry to describe a particular area of country that belongs to First Nations people. But it's about 500 kilometres southeast of Darwin, and it's around 28,000 square kilometres. But of course, that country is many different countries owned by different people, and it's something that we've grappled with as to whether to even use the term Bidloo Basin or not.
0: Right. What is what's an alternative term?
1: So the the area is a vast area where fracking is um, slated to occur, and so there's various places like Newcastle Waters, for example, or near Borroloola, or, or yeah, many places where fracking companies want to drill wells.
0: And, uh, you know, I've been aware of Don't Frack the Territory campaigns
1: mm-hmm.
0: probably for at least five years yeah. uh, and, and probably long before that, I'm not sure. Um, c- can you talk to me about when the Environment Centre Northern Territory got involved in this campaign?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in 2016, the Northern Territory government announced a moratorium on fracking. So they, as a result of community opposition, they said that they would not have any um, hydraulic fracturing similar to what is in place in Victoria at the moment. But then in 2018, they announced the intentions to open up something which was called the Pepper Inquiry into Hydraulic Fracturing. And that was a very a large, extensive inquiry that the environment movement and traditional owners really mobilised around and got the community to make submissions. The Pepper Inquiry travelled all around the Northern Territory and heard from people their concerns about fracking overwhelmingly the community response that was was that fracking was not wanted in the Northern Territory but in March of 2018 the Pepper inquiry handed down the final report and said that fracking could safely proceed in the Northern Territory if all 135 recommendations of the report were implemented. So really since then that Pepper inquiry has been the subject of a lot of debate and scrutiny and whether or not the government can even implement all 135 recommendations of that inquiry is something that the environment movement would say, no, that they can't, it's actually impossible. But the government are sticking to the line that they can and they are on track to implement the recommendations. So an example of one would be recommendation 9.8, which is a very crucial recommendation which says that all life cycle emissions from fracking the Beetlewood Basin must be offset if fracking is to occur. So essentially that fracking, which is, you know, a fossil fuel project, must be carbon neutral. It really is impossible to do. There's no way that fracking can have no net emissions, but the government are committed to implementing this, although they have said that it would be impossible to implement without the assistance of the federal government. And so this is the real crucial Recommendation of the PEPPER Inquiry, which we say can't be implemented, the Northern Territory Government have admitted they can't implement it themselves, and so are calling on assistance from the Federal Government to do it.
0: Mm. And, you know, the Federal Government, until very recently, was pushing the Northern Territory uh, to lead this gas field recovery um, yeah. of, of the economy after COVID. Um, has that support from the Federal Government changed
1: so the federal government and the Northern Territory Government are both very committed to what they call a gas-fired recovery. And that's the result, that's a result of the fact that the committees which recommended this post-COVID economic recovery were stacked with oil and gas executives. For example, we had Andrew Liveris, who's a, a man born in Darwin, who was a former boss of Dow Chemicals and an advisor to Saudi Aramco. He was chair of the Territory's Economic Reconstruction Commission. He was also on the Federal Economic Reconstruction Commission. He's on the board of Wally, which is a manufacturing firm that supports the gas industry. He's heavily, heavily invested in the development of fossil fuels and, pet- and gas-fed petrochemicals. So you have people like this, in both territory and federal level, recommending fracking as a way forward. That support is has been, unfortunately, continued by the current Albanese government. They're still committed to public funding for the gas industry, The question of offsets and offsetting the emissions from fracking is where the tension arises because the federal government doesn't want to be liable to have to pay for offsetting fracking emissions. And that's because it would be incredibly expensive to do so. The emissions of fracking on different estimates could increase Australia's entire emissions by from 11%, some estimates say up to 20%. So to actually offset this, there's physically not the amount of carbon credits available to do that. It would cost billions and billions and billions of dollars.
0: Mm. And so the gas industry uh, and the fossil fuel industry has long gotten public subsidies for a lot of things. Um, But yet recently the Environment Centre NT had uh, a win. Is is it fair to say that about um, federal grants and public subsidies to the gas industry? Can you talk to me about that?
1: Sure. So it, it could be described as a win. Um, what, so last year, the Environment Centre took the Federal Resources Minister, Keith Pitt, to court over a $21 million grant that was given to Empire Energy, which is a fracking company in the Betaloo Basin. So this was a federal government public subsidy given to this energy company to frack exploration wells in the Bedaloo, And we challenged it on the grounds that it was unreasonable to not have considered climate change and the impacts of emissions on the climate when handing out this public money. We did win that court case, however, not on the grounds of climate. It was a separate legal technicality. The grant was rendered invalid, but then the grant was reissued by the Federal Resources Minister a few weeks later. So I think this really shows us the commitment of the previous government, and unfortunately the former government, to subsidising the gas industry.
0: Mm. And so just this week, Origin Energy has announced that they will divest 100% of their interests in the Beedaloo Basin. Can you tell me about that announcement?
1: Yeah, this is a really significant, really hardening development. And honestly, I think it's the beginning of the end of fracking in the Northern Territory. So they have divested their shares to another fracking company, and that's Tamboran, who honestly are cowboys. They're backed by a Texas oil man. They have no disregard. I mean, no fracking company does, but especially Tanbran have no disregard for the traditional owners of the Northern Territory. They've been fighting the Nord- the Nordalindy Native Title Corporation over the Tanambrini fracking station. They're truly an appalling company. But the fact that Origin have divested 100% of their sh- shares and are walking away from the Beetaloo is very positive because what it indicates is that fracking is actually not viable and that they now have publicly admitted that by leaving.
0: And Origin also announced that they're kind of going to look at all of their investments in gas exploration, um, starting with divesting in the Beedaloo. You know, what what are the bigger implications for the industry here?
1: I think what it shows is that exploration for shale gas is simply not a viable thing to do in Australia and shouldn't occur anywhere in the world either. What it shows us is that even with Intense amounts of public subsidies, extensive support from all levels of government, this industry actually cannot get off the ground.
0: And so what's next for the Beedaloo Basin?
1: So, of course, Tamboran have now become a much more significant target. Origin were the the largest and most, I suppose, legitimate company that had interest in the Beedaloo Basin. Now we're left with Santos and a variety of smaller American players. The fight, of course, is going to continue. And you had um, the chair of the G Native Title Corporation, Johnny Wilson, and he's a Kuringini man. He's come out and said that the fight is going to continue. Whatever company it is that owns shares in the bidder are going to be opposed. And at the Environment Centre Northern Territory, we are in wholehearted agreement that we're going to continue to oppose fracking. This is just a bit of wind in our sails. Now, it's abundantly clear that what we've been saying all along that this is not even an economically viable industry despite public funding that this is eventuated that has turned out to be the case and so exploration is going to be continued to be opposed we're going to make sure that they don't move to production because that's something that should really be understood here is that whilst since the moratorium has been lifted exploration for gas has occurred at many sites across the northern territory still no production licenses have been issued Production licences can't be issued until the government has demonstrated that they've fulfilled all 135 recommendations of the Pepper Inquiry. Now, we're quite aware that they might attempt to fudge them so that they can move to production quickly to satisfy the interests of the gas industry. But we're going to keep fighting to make sure that production licences do not get issued. And also, we want to see exploration stopped as well.
0: And Earth Matters goes out to a national audience. So if people listening around the country, what can they do to support the fight against fracking in the
1: territory? I would say check out the Protect Country Alliance, which the Environment Centre is a member of that alliance. Check out Nautil Energy Native Title Corporation, which is a First Nations-led body established to oppose fracking on their land. And oppose with your local Member of Parliament, public subsidies to the gas industry, that's a really important local thing that anyone can do from anywhere, is let the federal government know, let your member know, that the Commonwealth should not be subsidising these cowboy companies to come to the territory, poison water, destroy country, and ride roughshod over the interests of First Nations people.
0: Great, thank you so much for joining us on Earth Matters.
1: Great, thank you so much, it was nice to be with you.
0: You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Naish Gorn from the Environment Centre NT, speaking about the campaign to stop fracking in the Northern Territory and Origin's recent announcement to divest from the Beetaloo Basin. Now, from the Northern Territory to far west New South Wales, we hear from Malinyapa Barkindji Wimpacha, Leroy Johnson, on the story of his elders' fight for land rights at the Mutawidji National Park, where he now lives and works.
2: Motowindji, in our language, means place of green grass and water holes, so it's got permanent water. So it's um, even in dry time, so it's a, sort of an oasis. Um, and it's a place um, traditionally we used to gather, um, so people from all over the place as far as um, the Flinders Ranges, um, the Reggie Mob, Queensland Followers, um, they'd come down and, and gather at Mutawindji for ceremony and trade and um, weddings and, um, you know, to do, do their business initiation ceremonies and, and um, so it's been a place where people gathered for for thousands and thousands of years um, and and, uh, and it's very significant, it holds a lot of sites. It's one of the, if not the highest concentration of rock art in New South Wales. Uh, um There's etchings, um, and all that rock art etching in the landscape tells the story of our creation, our people's creation. Um, and um, it's a part of what we call Mura, which is our word for songland. And Muruinji is an important part of our Mura because um, you know, the Nutchies created our land, travelling across the landscape. And Murrunga is um, a very special place for um all of us. Well,
0: and it also has a really um important and interesting story around how it was handed back to traditional owners. Can you give us a, just a brief? Yeah, of... well,
2: it was um it's been a national it's been a national park since the 1970s. And um, before that it was a sheep station um, and yeah, and before and then it was part of the land that Sydney Kinman first um, claimed out this way. Um, so it uh, so in the 70s it became a national park and then um, in the 80s, and our people always knew about Motowindji and always knew the significance of the place and what was there, um, but in the 80s our people were concerned about some of the ways that our sites were being looked after. Um, there's a lot of evidence around vandalism um, Sacred objects, objects would be moved or taken away from the country. So, um, my elders, when they were young and around in their thirties, and guided by their elders, um, they decided to blockade the park, so cut it off and not let anyone in there, um, specific, specifically the historic site where a lot of the um, dreaming story is. Um, and then that that blockade sort of kicked off a uh, uh, the, um, the Aboriginal lands rights movement out here in the West and in New South Wales. Um, it took, so that um, began the conversation and it took to um, the early 80s, so 83 I think it was, 84, um, to 1998 and the government um, created a Aboriginal Owners Act in part of the National Parks and Wildlife Act in New South Wales. And middlewinji was um scheduled to be the first national park to be handed back to aboriginal owners yeah and then we've been um, we own it and we've been managing it ever since nineteen ninety eight and we're in a partnership with national parks and and the local people to run it as a national park
0: and How have you seen the land change over that time?
2: Well i've only sort of been around for the last ten years. And we were in a really, really bad drought um, not 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 too long ago. So you could see the creeks and the trees dying out and, and dust, and the, and the place would be barren. Um, the animals dispersed, not many animals around. Um, and you'll find, we found goats were increasing because they were able to get to the water and, and they would be out. So it was a... Pretty, pretty dire situation when the drought was. So we've, I've seen it um, in really harsh times, and and so it's good to see it now, where everything's just flourishing, green, water everywhere. Animals are starting to come back in numbers, um, and people are starting to come back in numbers too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, you're taking a few actions around. Um, sectioning off like building fences in the park to get goats out is that right can yeah
2: you... at the moment we um we have musters so we um contract musters to come in and and try to get as many goats as they want as they can so goats are worth big money now so we get it we give um the muster 60% of what they are and we take 40 and out of that 40% we're able to put it into a bank account and we use that money to um I suppose, try to goat-proof the park. And it's very hard because is a place with a lot of gorges and creeks that run out of it into the flat country. So those creeks, um, it's impossible to fence them off. But what we're sort of trying at the moment is using some of that money just to make a big exclusion area. So one area at Muttawingi, we try to get rid of the goats out of that area. And Then, um, firstly, goats, they're probably going to be number one. Then we'll um, make the uh, fence a little bit more where you exclude other pests like foxes and cats. And then, you know, eventually we might be able to reintroduce smaller mammals in in those areas. Yeah. So, you know, goats are worth a lot of money out this way, so we use that money to try to get rid of them. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. And... How does it feel to have that land back in traditional control? And you know, kind of, is can you talk about any kind of spiritual connections or spiritual? Oh, there's
2: a, definitely a spiritual connection. That when you, you've been there, anyone goes there. You don't need to be Aboriginal to feel uh, the power of the place. Um, and, and it is special to be a custodian of custodian of that land. Um, it's very humbling, and I'm sort of. Lucky, myself and my staff are very lucky that we get to look after the land and live out there and, and make a career out of doing that. Um, uh, but I think it's um, special for all of our people in the area too because it gives um, gives our people an asset to continue their culture so we can practice our traditional ways out there, like hunting, gathering, um, Learning about landscapes, learning about songs, and um, learning about the history of our people, our land. Um, so, Moora is a place where that's all captured. And because um, we're all 100% um, dedicated to preserving and conserving the place, we know it. We know that's going to be there for long after we go, and we're just occupying a little bit of space to look after it. And then eventually, someone else. Is, well, we we'll no have to look after us, so, No Barker, yeah. no Barker, no, bark in no Barker, no bark no so my uncle, he reckon that we got that connection to the that Tungpinukin, that's what we call fresh water, Up in the cold flow Nutty goes along Where the eagle and crow Are a part of a sacred song Where the dusty river trail Will lead you back to me When that damn You and I will both be free, they say. Nayanga yow, and in my They say, Nayanga yow, and in They say, Nayanga yow. that all that manini there, that was the bounty brother. That was my title. Let me call him Yampa. Where the Yampa live he's the blood of a great big land. And my God I give is a part of a sacred dance all the people learn When the barker she does not run When that damn wall burst You and I will live as one They say nyanya ya, ya, well again bye, bye, They say nyanya ya, 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 well again, bye, bye, they say nyanya nyanya walingamba baka no baka they say nyanya nyanya walingamba pakiki no baka no bakenji
0: This is no baka no bakenji by Leroy Johnson and the Waterbag Band and there's a really interesting story behind this song I'll let Leroy take it
2: away. It's the first song I wrote out at Moodlewingsi, actually, um, when I moved out there. But uh, when I moved out there when um, a few years ago now, when we, the, the river was really struggling. Um, it was pretty full today, but back then it was really struggling and um, it was around when all the... Those fish died in Manindi and and there were protests on the bridge in Kenya. There was a few of them, and a lot of people, um, a lot of people were really concerned about uh, um, river. And Uncle Badger Bates here in Broken Hill, he, he was one of our one of the elders that led that fight um, about speaking for the river, um, the bark. And I remember seeing him on TV on TV, and he was talking to one of the one of the reporters, and he was—he was a bit upset, and he was shaking his head, and he said, "You just don't get it. There's no Barker, there's no Barkindji. So without this river, people don't exist." And that sort of stuck with me, and then I think that's a mad line, huh? um. And then I was at Muruwingu, and Uncle bady come out in Muruwingu, and I and I started writing that song and. I said, you know when you was talking to the followers and, and I played it for him, and I said, can I steal your line? He said, yeah, you're right. And yeah, so that song is about, one, it's about our connection to the river, the Barker, um, and, and, and how bad it is when it doesn't run, and it's about, so I use a bit of um which is um, language in it. And of course it says um Nya baka Wallinimba Barka Nya Yanganya Walinimba So Nya Yanganya Nyimba means Hello, how you going? And so it's like when that water comes, it's like the people say, hey, how you going? Welcome back to that water. And then the water is saying it to the people. So they're greeting each other. And it says, yeah, and it's, we depend on each other, yeah. And so that's what that's all about, yeah.
0: You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. That was Leroy Johnson, Melanyapa Barkindji Wimpja, talking about his new single with the waterbag band, Nobaka, Barker, No barkinji. Earlier, he told us the story of how the Mutawidji National Park was handed back to traditional owners in the 1990s. And earlier in the show, we heard from Naish Gorn from the Environment Centre Northern Territory on Origin's announcement to pull out of the Beetaloo Basin and what this means for fracking in the Northern Territory. You can listen back on the program by going to 3cr.org.au or searching Earth Matters 3CR wherever you get your podcasts. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is usually produced in the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne, but today's episode was produced on Williakali Country. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters.